The following teaching is brought to you by Crosspoint Church. For sermon notes and other resources, visit go to crosspoint.com. Anybody here ever made a good decision about anything? One, one time, I'm sitting next to her or him, you know, something like that, yeah. Some of you are going, yeah, that's not, the, <laughs> anyway. Anybody have any bad decisions? Oh, yeah, several, many, too many to count. Uh, the decisions that we make seal our fate. As you look at if your life has turned out well, your kids have turned out well, if things have turned out well for you, you can look back on it and go, it was six months ago, six years ago, a decision I made at a certain point that I maybe didn't even realize it at the time, that I was making a big, huge, massive decision, but it ended up being, uh, had dramatic impact. And so today, we're looking at that. And the big message in a moment, my quick sermon in a sentence is this, let's take the dumb out of wisdom. Join us today here, we're gonna do a quick little sermon bumper here thing, episode five, Book of Acts. You got a note sheet there on the back of your program. Uh, there should be pens around the house somewhere. You have one attached to your program there. Find the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1. Do you hear it? Tick, 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 tick. You ever been in a place where you're waiting for something to happen and all you can hear is the Jesus had said, hey, I'm leaving here, but I'm coming back someday. Meanwhile, go back to Jerusalem and just tick, tick, tick. Wait. Wait for the ghost, the Holy Spirit, to show up. Like, what in the world is the Holy Spirit and who and what? How's that going to happen? So they're just waiting. And we pick up the story now in Acts chapter 1. Look at verse 12. It says, then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of half a mile. When they arrived, they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. Here are the names of those who are present. Now, I want you to pay attention and don't count them out loud, but count them to your head and tell me how many, how many apostles are here. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. How many? Wait. I thought there were 12 disciples. We're going to find out about that in a bit. Um, they all met together and were constantly united in prayer. Uh, in your own Bibles, on your mobile device, do something there to, to highlight that, to underline that. Constantly united in prayer. Along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. So Jesus' family is there with all of uh, the disciples, the, the apostles that are there. During this time when about 120 believers, so now it's not just those guys, there's now some more people there. 120 total were together in one place, probably not the upper room, probably in Solomon's colonnade, a big section uh, in the temple complex. Peter stood up and addressed them. Brothers, he said, the scriptures, scriptures, underline, highlight that. I'm having you do this because I want you to see this as we go back at looking at a framework for good decision-making, to see a decision they're going to make here and see how this is not a passage on decision-making, but it's going to lay, it's going to weave in here some great patterns for our lives as well when we have to make decisions. The Scriptures had to be fulfilled concerning Judas, who guided those who arrested Jesus. 
This was predicted long ago by the Holy Spirit, speaking through King David. Judas was one of us and shared in the ministry with us. Just take a moment there and pause there. Judas, not some outside guy that betrayed Jesus, not some horrible, evil person. This is not the main point today, but don't miss this. You can hang around Jesus. You can do all the things that Christians do. You can come to church. You can join a small group. You can give money to the church. You can do everything that Christians do hanging around Jesus and still not be a Christian. It's, it's not about, like, it's not your culture. It's not your religion. It's, it's a decision you have to make in your heart. It doesn't just, you're not just born into it because you're American or because you're a per, per, uh, particular ethnicity. Just an important thing to point out there that Judas went south even though he hung around Jesus. Judas did miracles. When they went out on preaching, he did miracles. He had his feet washed by Jesus. He was part of the Passover meal. He was part of everything there, and he missed it completely. Judas, and again, Luke's going to fill in the details, had bought a field with the money he received for his treachery. Falling head first there, his body split open, spilling out all his intestines. And the reason we get all those details is because Luke, who's writing this, is a doctor. So medical stuff is interesting to him. The news of his death spread to all the people of Jerusalem, and they gave the place the Aramaic name Akadama, which means field of blood. Peter continued, this was written in the book of Psalms, back to the scriptures again, where it says, let his home become desolate with no one living in it. It also says, let someone else take his position. So now we must choose a replacement for Judas from among the men who were with us the entire time we were traveling with the Lord Jesus, from the time he was baptized by John until the day he was taken from us. Whoever is chosen will join us as a witness of Jesus' resurrection. You know where he gets that from? This criteria for how to be a, who, who becomes a disciple? Nowhere in the Bible does it say what the, the, what the qualifications are for an apostle or a disciple. You know what we're going to call this? I'm going to call this, you might want to write it, make a note on your note sheet or put it in the margin of your Bible there. Sanctified common sense. Just trusting that God, by His Spirit, is doing something there and taking your common sense and guiding them in making a decision. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice. He's got a bunch of nicknames. And Matthias. Then they all prayed, O Lord, you know every heart. See, they prayed again here. Circle, highlight, underline, whatever there. You know every heart. Show us which of these men you have chosen as an apostle to replace Judas in this ministry, for he's deserted us and gone where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and Matthias was selected to become an apostle with the other 11. And so they have picked now the 12th disciple. And when this happens, some of you are going, wait. So when you have to make an important decision, like say, you know, with Jess leaving, we're going to have a few people, we're just going to go. If it's a six, we pick this person. If it's a two, we pick, you know, it seems like an odd way to make a decision. We're going to look at that here in a bit. Some people believe, uh, as you study commentators and, and notes and stuff on this, that they made the wrong decision here that they rushed it, that Peter being Peter, we know about Peter, if you've been, been to church for any length of time, Peter's always impulsively just boom, boom, going here. And here's what's happening here. A bunch of men sitting around a room with nothing to do, which is always a recipe for trouble, for men especially. Uh, so they're saying he, they rushed the, the decision because why not just why don't you stay with 11? I mean, why, why do you have to replace them? Now, the reason they, had to re they felt like they had to replace them is that when God chose the nation of Israel, Israel, also known as Jacob, uh, to be, be his chosen people, there were 12 sons, and they became the 12 tribes of Israel. So 12 is a big deal in there. 
And when Jesus chose, chose his, his first followers, he said, I've got a new chosen people. It's not going to be the nation of Israel. It's going to be the kingdom of God. It's going to be the church of Jesus. He said, there's going to be 12 people there. So 12 is a big deal. So you go, okay, they did that. Some people think that they rushed it because it should have been Paul. We're going to meet Paul in a few chapters here who becomes known as the apostle to the Gentiles. Take the good news of Jesus, uh, not just to be a Jewish thing, but to be something that gets to the whole world. And they say they rushed it. It should be Paul that became the 12th apostle. We never hear about Matthias again. We don't know anything that he did. They feel like perhaps that, that perhaps they they rushed it, especially when you look at like at the end where they went, heads, this guy, tails, that guy, you know, come on. That seems like weird. Others say, no, this way it's supposed to be. I mean, look at it. They prayed. They used the Bible. They, they didn't have just one person deciding it. It was a, a combination of they decided to nominate these people and put it together. Um, Proverbs 16.33 says, we may throw the dice, but the Lord determines how they fall. So you go, okay, maybe they had that verse in mind and maybe that's how it's supposed to work. God, we've done everything we're supposed to do. Now, for those of you wondering, okay, so rolling the dice, when we have to decide, do we keep the kids in public school, homeschool? Do we move, stay in California, move to some place? Do we, and just think of the different decisions. I'm going to change careers and move into a different job. Are we going to keep renting a house or are we going to buy a house? Notice when they flipped the coin. They, they flip the coin, they cast the lots, not at the beginning of the process. They read their Bibles, they prayed over and over again, they sought common sense advice and perspective, and then at the end, when they just didn't have any clear, absolute you know, vision from God going, choose that guy, they said, well, we're just going to use this. So when it comes down to it, I guess the principle here is, when you just don't know what to do, and the Bible hasn't told you specifically, and prayer hasn't told you, and the community of faith around you hasn't told you, perhaps then you can go, all right, God, show us by this. We have to make a decision here. Perhaps then you could do it. But it's always one of the end things that you would do, something like that, not the thing you would do at the, the beginning. But what about you and me making important decisions? Well, this is, these verses here are not specifically uh, a guide on, on making decisions. They had to make a decision. We're going to look at some principles here and, and throughout the scriptures to see how to make great decisions. But what I wanted to do today with you is, you're going to get two talks for the price of one today, but we're not going to go long. We're not going to go real long here today. I want to first of all show you, for those of you who are sitting here today going, you know, wise decisions and a successful life, who wants that? I want to screw up my life. I want to make bad decisions and have a train wreck of a marriage, a train wreck of finances. I want a disaster of children. I'm going to show you how to do it right here. Ready? Get ready. Write some things down here. Number one, how to make horrible decisions. Number one, just, just, just disregard what God says. Just disregard it. I mean, have a Bible and believe the Bible. Shoot, come to church, go to a small group. But when it comes to a decision, especially when it challenges popular cultural notions and, and, and challenges your own desires of your heart? Because, I mean, after all, this book was written 2,000 years ago. What could it possibly have to say to us in 2021? So just disregard what God says. If you want to make a mess out of your life, believe it, fine, have a Bible, read the Bible, but just disregard what God says. Instead, number two, follow your heart, you unicorn snowflake. (laughs) 
Just follow your feelings and impulses. Don't question your motives or think about it. Just do what you feel. This is the, you've heard people do this, right? I've got peace about this. Which usually means they haven't talked to anybody, they haven't done anything right or wise in this, and you're not going to talk them out of it because how can you, how can you come against? And forget about the fact that Jeremiah uh, verse, chapter 17, verse 9 says, your heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can really understand it? Proverbs 14, 12 and 16, 25, Solomon repeats it, says this, <laughs> says it this way. It says, there's a way that feels right and seems right to a person. The end of it's a train wreck. The end of it's disaster and death and destruction. So he says, you can't just, he says, now, if you want to make good decisions, be careful trusting your heart. But if you want to make a disaster out of your life, just follow your heart. Just do what you feel. The revised heresy version of the Bible. There's a famous verse called Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. We're going to look at it here in a bit. You've been a Christian for a while. You've heard this verse from time to time. The revised heresy version of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in yourself with all your heart. Depend completely on your own understanding. In all your ways, be true to yourself, and you'll have a train wreck of a life. If you want to make a mess out of your life, that's the revised heresy version. Just believe in yourself. And especially, especially when you have a big decision to make, the bigger the decision is, trust your feelings all the more so, and make that decision quickly. Do it fast. We posted some things on social media. McKenna, our social media director, posted it. It was funny. People talked about the bad decisions they made. You know what they said over and over again? The one thing they all had in common went too fast on a big, big, important decision. Number three, get confirmation, not counsel. This is just get people to tell you what you want to hear. Guys, I've been a pastor now for a lot of years, uh, and I've had all kinds of conversations with people and I can usually tell pretty quickly, do they want advice or do they want affirmation? Because a lot of times people, like, they'll, say, they'll come looking for advice, they're looking for counsel. They really want counsel, they want confirmation. Just tell me what I want to hear. And, you know, gosh, don't, don't ask tough questions. Don't, come on, let's be positive. The best is yet to come. The best days are still ahead, despite the fact that Proverbs twice says the wise person can see the danger that's up there up ahead and makes decisions about that and steers away from that. Proverbs 14, 15 says foolish people believe everything they're told. So when you're getting advice and counsel, just believe the craziest, weirdest stuff and just get people telling you what you want to hear if you want to make a mess out of your life. Don't go to people who are going to ask you tough questions. Number four, I repeat your mistakes. Don't learn from them. The same stupid decisions that got you into the mess that you're in, just keep doing them. Just keep doing them. Don't learn from them. Proverbs 26.11, one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible. Proverbs 26.11 says it this way. As, a, as a, uh, a dog goes back to its vomit, so a fool repeats their folly. Those of you that have dogs know dogs, dogs are amazing, but dogs are disgusting, man. The stuff that dog will eat sometimes, like, what? Like, this, you threw this up and you're going back to it again. What are you doing? He says, what fools do? Some of you are going, I need a donut or something right now to clear that. Yeah. <laughs> and there's other things we can do. Um, psychics, tarot cards, palm readers, all that kind of stuff. Like, guys, I'm telling you, you can make a mess out of your life seeking into that stuff. There's, and despite the fact they have rainbows and crystals and unicorns on their windows, uh, be careful, that's dangerous stuff. The magic eight ball thing that we do, 
Now, maybe you don't, you know, remember Spencer's, is Spencer still around? I haven't been to the mall in forever, but remember the Magic 8-Ball? You know, you could ask a question and shake it, and woo, a thing would come up. Guys, you can even do that with a Bible. You know the Bible. Here, I've seen people do, do this with the Bible. God, I want advice on my dating life. And so instead of reading the whole Bible, they go, advice on my dating life, boom. Advice on dating. Isaiah chapter, let me see, Isaiah chapter 20, verse 2. Um, Isaiah walked around naked for three years. I think our whole culture is taking dating advice from Isaiah 42 <laughs> right now. Um, but uh, if you don't want to make dumb decisions, let, let's take the dumb out of wisdom and see what could we could do to build a better framework. If you don't want to have a train wreck of a marriage, of kids, of finances, of your personal life, taking the dumb out of wisdom, I'm going to give you five key principles, five anchor points, five building blocks, but look right at me for a second. The first one, these are not like, do all five of these, they're all, they're all equal. Number one is like the hub of a wheel. That's the one you want to hold on to, the first one I'm going to give you. The others are important, and you ought to use them, but you don't hang on to those like this, you hang on to them like this, loosely. But they can be important. The first thing you have to do, number one, uh, to make great decisions, to get the dumb out of wisdom, is the Bible. 99% of God's will for your life is right here in this book. Despite, even if it doesn't give all the answers to specific questions, uh, it, the, God's will, when it comes to decisions, will never contradict God's word, despite the peace you feel about it. It just never will. Psalm 119, 105. Flip over there in your Bibles to Psalm. It's the middle of the Bible. Psalm 119, 105. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is the lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. You know what that means? Implied in that is it's dark out there and sometimes I don't know what to do. You see, you want to know what to do? Turn the light on for you. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. We, we talked about the revised heresy version. Let's get the real one now. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is a verse you ought to memorize, you ought to make the anchor of your life. It says this, trust in the Lord. Not trust in yourself. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not like, well, you know, my spiritual life over here, I'll do that. No, all your heart. Trust in God with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Now, look, it's not a problem to think about things and use your experiences and your background. It says, the, the old school Bible says, don't lean on your own understanding. It's the idea of what you're really going to lean on for support. Don't lean on yourself because you'll crack and break and you'll make a mess out of everything. Seek his will in all you do. Not just your Bible, spiritual, God stuff, but everything. From dating and marriage to finances, seek his will in everything that you do, and he will show you which path to take. See, what God is trying to do here is shape you into the person he wants you to be. And then you'll do what God wants you to do. See, we sometimes think it's, it's all about how God guides. It's not about how God guides, it's who God guides. What God wants to do is shape you through his word, so that over time, you just know the right thing to do. Because this word has so saturated into your soul, into your life, it, it will just happen. It's wise character one over time. I want you to see this again over in Psalm 
Psalm 37. Psalm 37, verses 3 to 5, it says this. Commit everything, I'm sorry, uh, verse 3, Psalm 37, verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you'll live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord and he'll give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he'll help you. This is the idea of go to the Bible first as the hub of everything in your life, no matter what decision you're making. And for those of you that are newer to this whole faith and God and spirituality stuff, I would tell you, you don't have to become a Christian to start doing this. Start doing it now. Get into stuff. Start becoming a disciple of Jesus now and kick the tires and see how it works for you. I dare you. I dare you to just see what happens when you start to go, well, I know, I know the culture says this and this, but I'm gonna, the Bible says this. Just try it for a bit and just watch what happens. Number two, Getting the dumb out of wisdom is common sense, but common sense isn't very common anymore, so it's uncommon sense. The Bible calls this, or the word for this is wisdom. It's often countercultural. It's often what the culture is telling you how to do your life, and it's often counterintuitive to what your own heart and soul would just naturally want to do. Uncommon sense. Um, People who go to church, people who come to church, especially on Mother's Day and all that, oftentimes when we have decisions to make, we ask this question, what's the right thing to do? Important question to ask. But we don't ask the follow-up question because sometimes there's not a verse in the Bible about a particular thing. So it's not what's the right thing to do, it's what's the wise thing to do. I've been doing this for a while right now. Don't miss this. Sin and stupidity often end up at the same place. They just do. Some of you are going, yeah, I got the t-shirt on that one. Because I didn't have, there's no verses in the Bible that told me anything about what I should do or not do here. But that sometimes like, look, just don't be dumb. Now, the way you're going to do that uh, is to ask yourself the question, um, in light of my past issues, my current realities, and my future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing to do right here? And oftentimes, it'll slow you down on the timing. Because sometimes it's not about should I do this or not do this? Like, God might go, that's fine to do this. Just wait a bit. Or sometimes he's going to give you a kick in the rear end and go, hey, get going on this. But it's, it may be a timing kind of decision. And look, this is getting common sense into your soul is not going to happen by just going, mm, I just hope that something just kind of seeps in there. I want you to see this in Proverbs chapter 2. Flip over there, Proverbs 2. In Proverbs 2, he says it this way. My child, listen to what I say and treasure my commands. I want you to see the verbs here, the intensity, what he talks about here when it comes to going after wisdom. Tune your ears to wisdom, which means they're not tuned. i got to do some things to tune them. And concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasures. He said, make it a priority. It's not just going to kind of, you're not going to become a wise person and get common sense in your life by just hoping it just kind of just melds into you. 
He says, then you'll understand what it means to fear the Lord, and you'll gain knowledge of God. For the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. He is a shield to those who walk with integrity. He guards the paths of the just and protects those who are faithful to him. And in my Bible, I should have taken a picture and put it up on the screen here. That next, the, the next verse, verse 9, zoom in here. You can see it, right? No, sorry. That next verse, uh, verse 9 says, then you'll understand. Then you'll understand what's right, just, and fair. You'll find the right way to go. And watch this. Here's what happens. I have these underlined in my Bible. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will fill you with joy. Wise choices will watch over you. Understanding will keep you safe. When you have common sense, when you let the word of God get in your heart and so when you fight for wisdom, you make it a priority in your life, you're going to come to situations where people go, how do you just make good, great decisions all the time? You go, I don't know. I just do. But it didn't happen overnight. It happens of a relentless pursuit after wisdom. And for those of you that are newer to faith and wondering about, okay, how do I read my Bible better? Proverbs has 31 chapters in it. Months have 28 to 31 days. Read the proverb of the day. I know people have done this now for 40 to 50 years. Smartest people I know. They've done well in life and they're just great. Read the proverb of the day. Circle get under things and they get, take a little journal book and write some things down. It's great. Read the proverb of the day. Uncommon sense. The number, number th uh, the third way to make great decisions to get the dumb out of wisdom is circumstances or what we call confirmation. This is when you say, God, it seems like you're leading us this way. It feels like this is the direction we should go. Confirm that for me by the circumstances, by how life just operates. And when I do this, just I want to tell you how this works for me, how we've made decisions here. God, it seems like we're supposed to go this direction, so here's what I want you to do, God. If, the, if that door that seems open is we're not supposed to go there, would you please close it, deadbolt it, and put the biggest, nastiest, fiercest dog in front of it to guard me from going there? If, it's, if I'm supposed to go there, please don't just kind of go crack it open like this. Blow the doors open, put a big light on it, and confirm what I'm supposed to do here by circumstances in my life. That's happened over and over again in my life. The one that just stands out to me happened 17 years ago. I was at a church. I loved the church, was happy there, loved going there, loved working there. It was going great. All of a sudden, there was this impulse, this thought about what about moving to Temecula? where the whole world at that point was moving uh, because of affordable housing and business and all that kind of stuff. And there was this thought to come out here and start a church, but I told God, I said, look, here's the deal. I'm not sure I'm really interested in doing that, but if you're going to tell me to do it, you have to tell my wife before you tell me. I remember the day driving home from Pismo Beach and talking to her. She said, I think we should start looking for houses in Temecula. I just went, okay, well. And then my wife, who is um, oftentimes the mouthpiece for God to speak, I often don't recognize it, but we're sitting down thinking, should we do this? And she said, you should call Greg and Kathy Sampson. Greg and Kathy Sampson, um, they're actually here today. I'm not going to point them out, but um, they, Greg had been in the, in, the, in the NFL. He had retired. He was successful in business. They had actually helped several churches get started, uh, and did, they were like ministry stars in terms of what they did with wisdom and all that. And I thought, why would they want to move out of North County and come and move to Temecula? I thought, that's, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. But I thought, I'm, I'm, I've learned to be wise in marriage and listen to my wife. So I made the phone call going. I was going to say, see, I told you they wouldn't. And then an hour later, they called me back and said, you know, it's weird. We feel like God's telling us to do that. And then we were moving out here to try to find a place to meet, and we didn't have <laughs> 35 cents yet as a church. 
So we're going to rent you know, a school, but we were like 12th or 13th on the list to even get into a school site. We thought, how are we going to do this? And then we got a phone call from the principal of Abbey Renke Elementary saying, hey, you don't know me, but I heard you moving to Temecula to start a church. You should come to my school and do your church there. And at some point, I think God was going, did I stutter? <laughs> You're asking for some confirmation. Here it is. So that happened for us. And you guys all have stories about that. You're going to get a chance to share those in some of your uh, groups this week and kind of look at how God has guided your life through confirmation sometimes. Beware, though, of confirmation bias because you can start to read all kinds of stuff into situations. Like, you know, a red Corvette, candy apple red Corvette. I think I need one of those. I th- I've seen, you know what's going to start happening for you? Every magazine you read, every time you turn the TV on, your social media algorithm will start feeding you all that stuff. Uh, and you'll start to see them everywhere. And you're going to think, is this God's will for my life? Be careful with that. There can be confirmation bias where you're kind of looking for it. You'll start to see it everywhere. Jonah, God tells Jonah, go to Nineveh. And Jonah goes down to the dock, and guess what he finds? A boat going in the opposite direction. Oh, it must be God's will for me not to follow what God explicitly said. Because there's a boat going the, op- the circumstances and confirmation. So be careful about not, re- not reading too much into that. Number four, prayer and promptings. Prayer and promptings. You, we saw it here in the book of Acts when they're making a decision there. It says twice that they were praying about what God wanted them to do. And they were using the Bible to guide that decision. They were looking at the circumstances around them and go, God, Judas is gone now, what do we do next? All that. James chapter 1, verse 5 in Philippians 4, 6 through 8 says, hey, if you need wisdom, if you're freaking out, you don't know what to do, ask God. And when you, say, when you ask God, God will give you wisdom and God will give you peace and confidence in your soul by if you just come and pray to him. And sometimes how he's going to do that is he's going to prompt something, give you a prompting. It's going to be sometimes because you are angry about something going on in the world related to poverty, with uh, sex trafficking, with justice kinds of issues. You're going to see something in the community. You go, somebody should do something about that. You're going to get all fired up about that. And God's going to keep prompting you in that by his spirit uh, to, to maybe take action on that. He just speaks into your heart. Sometimes, sometimes uh, it will be a supernatural word from God. It will be like, from time to time, I have felt this like God spoke to me. And people ask me, well, did you actually hear a voice from God? And I say this, no, it was louder than that. It was like, man, there was something that happened there. That... But sometimes people, I know people at this church who've actually had visions and dreams and supernatural, an actual word from God. I mean, they heard something. Actually, the God does speak to that. That isn't as, it's not even that, people say, it's not even that frequent in the Bible. It's just in the Bible, they write down all the times that it happened, and so it feels like it happens all the time. But there'd be all kinds of time to go by where nothing, that didn't happen, but it would happen from time to time. Be careful here, though, on the prayer and promptings. That's why you hold on to this loosely. Um, feelings have, of peace have led people to do absolutely wrong, unwise things. That's why I said, hold on to the Bible. God's will won't contradict his word, even if you feel this incredible compulsion and peace about it. God puts things in your heart. Uh, Crystal Perry, who's sitting, she was up here leading worship today, sitting right over there, um, tells a story in her life. She was working in the Ranch of Bernardo Poway School District, working there full-time, and somewhere in there, she just felt like God was leading her just to maybe go part-time. 
And like, why would I leave? I mean, I love the job. I love all that kind of stuff. Maybe doing part-time. And so wasn't quite sure about it, prayed about it. They just didn't go away. And so at some point, she kind of followed through on that and said, all right, I'm going to go part-time. I think they even moved up out of the, that school district up to the, one of the school districts up here. What she didn't know was at that moment in the history of our church, the guy that was our director of worship ministry here, two weeks later told us that he needed to move on for a wide variety of reasons. And all of a sudden, like, hey, we need Crystal, and she can now do this. And just, again, how God leads and guides sometimes. You, like, you look back and go, that's crazy how that all worked out. You won't always sense it in the moment. You'll kind of go, I'm not sure what this means right now. But again, match up with God's word, you prayer and prompting, common sense, all that. And then number five, other people. This is, we're going to call this wise counsel. And you might want to circle the word wise there. When it comes to getting, uh, making decisions about your marriage, uh, you, you don't... Um, Men sit at the bar with the guy on his third picture and his third marriage and blowing that marriage up and who's met somebody online and he's going to go move in with her and get me. You don't take marriage advice from that guy. The person has financially, they went to, they saw something on the internet. They saw something about Bitcoin or whatever and you should invest in this thing and they drive a 2001 Ford Tempo that's got bald tires trying to give you financial advice how you should invest your money. You weigh advice, you don't count it. When it comes to getting advice and counsel, talk to Christians about this. But can we just be honest today here as a family? There's some dumb Christians out there. I've been a dumb Christian from time to time. I've said some dumb things. So look, seek Christian, seek godly advice Sometimes you can get that wise counsel from Christians who are wise, and sometimes you're going to get that wise advice probably from somebody who's maybe not a Christian or believer yet, but there's great wisdom in there. All wisdom is from the hand of God in one way or another. So get wise counsel. And then Jess, who was up here, uh, who's our executive pastor, we were talking about this week. Sometimes we'll go out there and we'll try to get wise advice and counsel from people and look at what, what we should do here. And we disregard the people that are right there living under our roof. And our spouse and our children are begging us to do something or not to do something. But we're out there listening to consultants and listening to people at work in the van pool, all that kind of thing. Listen. Listen to your spouse. God will oftentimes speak through them. Proverbs 20, 18 and Proverbs 24, 5 and 6 uh, Solomon, the wisest man who wrote the book of Proverbs, says this in repeated ways. Wisdom is found in having many counselors. It's not just me figuring out by myself. It's get, listen to other people. Let other people speak into that. So today, as the band comes back up here, you, you can make wise decisions or you can make dumb decisions. We've given you a framework for both today. What I want to chat with you about here again as the band comes up is this. 2,000 years ago, God made a decision. God made a decision to say, this world's a mess. And he came into our world and made a decision to become a human being. His name is Jesus. And then Jesus made decisions to live a life that honored God and made a decision to go to the cross to pay for the sins of the world. 
if you're not yet a Christian today, here's, here's the best decision you ever make. The best decision you ever make is to say yes to Jesus. To say, I may not understand all of, all of it yet, but I understand enough to know the way I'm doing my life, I want something different. And look at me for a second. Here in Temecula, your life may be great and wonderful and beautiful. You still need Jesus. Your life may be a train wreck right now. You need Jesus. Train wrecks and people that have everything great here, you all need Jesus. And so today I want to encourage you, if you have questions about that, if you want to step over that line of faith today and say yes to Jesus, to make the best decision of your life, let us know about that. On that connection card, you can jot me a note about that. We'll talk to you about that. And then what we do here every week is we celebrate and remember the greatest decision, decision that was ever made for us was the cross, was the death of Jesus on that cross. And we have some simple elements that Jesus said, use these elements to remember me by. It's a piece of bread and some juice. The bread represents Jesus' body that was broken on the cross for us. The juice represents his blood. In the four corners of the room, there is little packets of communion there that you can pick up here. The lights are gonna go down for just a, a few minutes here. We're gonna sing some great songs together. Let this sink into our heart. But come today to those tables of communion to remember Jesus. The greatest decision that was ever made was made by God. Jesus, today we love you. God, by your Holy Spirit today, not all of us needed to hear everything here, but we needed to hear something. So I'm asking you, God, now by your Spirit to just take that we need to hear, what needs to really stick and drive deep into our heart and soul as we sing together now. Do something to, to sink that deep. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. For more resources, check out go to crosspoint.com.